You've entered the Prosperity Dimension. A dimension of sci-fi adventure. A dimension of small biz excitement. A dimension where Nicole Fendi shows you how to build your profits and have a swashbuckling good time. And now, here's Nicole Fendi. Welcome back to the Prosperity Dimension. I'm Nicole Fendi, your host. Today, we are joined by Amy Loken of Mood Modular. And if you've ever seen my displays, and if you haven't, you need to go and look, you will know why I'm a raving fan of Amy. As the inventor and founder of Mood, and it's spelled, it looks like mud, but it's got the umlaut, so it's Mood, Mood Modular, Amy Loken has over 15 years of experience in the design world. She has worked extensively in retail design on a national basis, as well as working with small businesses and corporations to showcase their products and services, like mine. In 2009, she began to develop the concept of a modular display system, I like to think of it as post-it notes or Legos, that could be set up in minutes, yes, minutes, and deliver a dynamic and high-impact presentation. The background in industrial design, and a keen eye for visual impact, which is so important, plus a down-to-basics ability to understand the human psychology makes her a go-to person if you need a way to wow your customers at a meeting, trade show, or event. And I would put in Gen Con, which I'm going to be attending shortly. A graduate of the Colorado Institute of Art and Design in Denver, Amy resides in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, with her husband, Chris, and their dog daughter, Mickey. Amy, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me, Nicole. I'm excited to be here. Well, Amy, let's start with, let's describe, since this is not a visual show, let's do a quick description of what is your system, the Mood Modular system. Well, it basically breaks all barriers of what you would normally consider a trade show display to be, meaning it's constructed in a three-dimensional aspect. I really believe that we're viewed on a 360 degrees, and why not utilize every angle of that? Just so the listeners know, she uses magnets so that they build up. They look like almost, almost like, like I said, building blocks or, or Legos, and they can be very tall. My display is over eight feet tall when it's like piled up, so to speak, but it can be shorter. And it breaks down into flat, so you have these carrying cases that I can carry no problem in and out of any building which I love because it's super easy to put up and put down. You can do it in a skirt and heels if you need to, and I can carry it anywhere. I mean, I'm not a weakling, but I'm not exactly some big bodybuilder either. Well, you know, that was huge for us. We really wanted things to be very simplified for people. So that way anybody could set it up with minimal instruction and be able to transport it any place. So you can actually check this as luggage on a plane. And our largest system is still under 30 pounds. Yes. I mean, I have a humongous system, which you can, through the show notes or after this episode, go to either Facebook or now I'm active on Instagram and see pictures where it is an amazingly large display that I have caught people's eyes from across a crowded convention floor and they've said that. They've literally walked from one end of a floor to my end saying, I saw it and I had to come find out what exactly you do. 
<laughs> Which, of course, I'm sure you love hearing, right? Amy? I do. I love hearing that. You know, it's funny when I exhibit, you know, obviously my big you with the umlauts and the fact that it looks like mud gets a lot of attention. <laughs> and a lot of people come up and say, so what's up with mud modular? And that just opens up a whole gateway of conversation for me to educate them about mood and what it really is and, and how everything transforms from a floor stand-up display to within seconds literally can be converted to a tabletop and really how they all fit together. You know, it was really built on the premise that, you know what, a five-minute setup is great, but a five-minute takedown is even better. Yeah. And I have to tell you, going to trade shows and events, not having to stress about Will it fit? Will it be hard to get up? And then the takedown, I can walk in and I'm like in and out like that. So we told people a little bit about it. Now let's step back because seeing it, it's already done. It's a real thing. People can look and touch and feel and see. But going back to before you created the prototype, I want to talk about the path because I bet there are other people listening who have an idea, and they're still in the idea phase. Tell me a little bit about your path to go from the idea to the prototype. Well, you know, it's interesting, and I laugh every time I hear somebody use the word prototype. <laughs> Primarily because I think I actually sold my first original <gasps> prototype. Oh, my God. Okay, I just have to say I love it. I love it. You sold the prototype. That's brilliant. Okay, please keep talking. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I'm a firm believer, obviously, my product changes things constantly and, and evolves. So in a sense, I'm kind of always still selling my prototype a little bit. I just keep on making it better, which is perfect for my clients who've been with me from the very beginning and trusted in my idea because they're constantly getting, you know, free upgrades. <laughs> well, I, I think I'm the owner of a prototype or two myself. <laughs> yes, you are. Hence the reason you have received at least one or two house calls. That's, so. <laughs> that's right. I have. There's pictures of that on Instagram. But so, let's go back then. So, But you had you started with an idea, right? And it's a physical product. Yeah. Tell people, people a little bit about, okay, so you sold it. So your first product, we'll say the journey to the first product you created. So it was a journey, very much so. In fact, I like to say it took 50,000 miles to develop the first one. And by that, I mean, I spent 15 years in the shopping center industry mm -hmm. doing retail design and visual merchandising. So literally this idea came to me in the fact I'm always somebody who's always looking for ways to make things better. And by that, I mean, how can they work better? How can we push ourselves to be better? So working in the shopping center industry, being out in the common area where you're walking through the shopping center, I realized in working with a lot of small businesses to market their product and services in the common area that you had less than four seconds. And it didn't matter if you were in that center, that shopping center, they were walking through your front doors or you were in a trade show. You still needed something to attract them. And I have this ability to understand the basic human psychology of things. It's kind of a second nature to me. And going through industrial design was the perfect thing for me because I was able to always had that training to look at a product and see how much further it could be taken. So knowing that 
I was coming to the end of a career due to the economy and where that was going at the end of 2008. I chose to take my future into my own hands, my destiny. I wanted to create what that looked like. So I took all these years of really studying and developing and watching people interact with signage and marketing materials and product and realized that we really needed some dimension. We needed to really understand the fact of we are viewed in a 360. And oftentimes that first impression of us is done from about 30 feet away. I'm going to pause for a second there, Amy, because I want to reaffirm and reconfirm and get people thinking about 30 feet away. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people think it happens when you're up close. No. But 30 feet away, and even if you're listening, you might even pause and like walk out 30 feet or, or think about how far away that is from where you are. Because whatever display you're using now, can you even see it at 30 feet? So I don't mean to interrupt, but I'm going to only because I know since I've talked with you about this number of times, it's really struck with me. And now when I go to events... I'm aware I'm making, consciously I'm aware I'm making those decisions from 30 feet away, whereas before it was subconscious. Absolutely. And the thing is, and speaking of subconscious, the first thing somebody notices when they walk into a place, and this can be anywhere, is actually the floor. And that is strictly subconscious. So the next time you enter a building or a home or whatever, think about that because it is a subconscious thing that we do, which is why floor graphics tend to be so effective. Hmm. As well as walking into, let's say, a casino type of environment or a convention center, the floors are very, typically they're very busy and with lots of designs. And that's for a couple different reasons. The first and foremost is they want your eyes to go up. They want you to look around because that's where the excitement is. And the other reason they're very busy is because they help hide stains. <laughs> the practical end of it would right. be it. <laughs> so we've got from 30 feet away and four seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Which isn't a very long time. And, you know, social psychologists have actually estimated that we make an initial snap judgment within the first four seconds. And we finalize our judgment on something within the first 30 seconds. Wow. Yeah. So if we're not, if we look like somebody's middle school or grade school science project. (laughs) Yep. Unless you're doing a middle school or grade school science project. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. (laughs) That's not the look you're going for. No, and what people don't realize, and I think people kind of forget, is people's perception of what they initially see becomes their reality. Mm. You know, even though you, quote unquote, may look like a science project and it was kind of haphazardly thrown together, and in reality, you're really detail-oriented and you treat your clients, you know, incredible and it's always top-notch. That's not the impression in my reality because you have, A, a handwritten sign and I see tape and I see your garbage and it just looks literally like you showed up five minutes ago and obviously not with a mood system and you look like a science project that is exploded. So not the most well representation of what I'm sure most brands want to be. 
And I'm going to interject here and say I see that with book covers as well. Because, you know, I did a lot of research. This is my second book, The Prosperity Dimension, is my second book. And when I was doing it the first time, I really did a lot of research on book covers. And what I found is there are case studies. I'm going to give one in particular. I cannot remember the name of the book itself. But it's a famous case study where a book had one cover. It was one of the big five publishing houses and put it out. Mm -hmm. And it had one cover and it did terrible. Sales were awful. So what they decided to do was give it a new cover. Nothing else about the book changed. The only thing they changed was the cover. And it went on to become a bestseller. Imagine that. So the power of the visual, that first impression, because nothing about the – they didn't change the name. They didn't change the verbiage on the cover. It wasn't like they changed like who gave it a testimonial or anything like that. It was just the imagery and the graphic layout. Yeah. All that changed. Yeah, it's actually quite interesting when you really think about that. And that's an amazing representation of how impactful and powerful good visuals are and how they really do become people's perception turning into their reality. Well, people have said to me, as I mentioned earlier, I've had people who've crossed rooms when they've seen my display Because they're like, well, I saw it from over there, and I wasn't quite sure what it was, but I wanted to know more. Mm -hmm. You know, hearing that, oftentimes that is what people say to me when they approach mine. You know, one of the things, as you know, I try to help my clients understand is to not use a ton of words. Mm. Um, A, people don't read. Remember, sorry, sorry. (laughs) Except my book. They will read my book. They cannot read everything else, but they're going to read the book, right? (laughs) They read books, but they don't read a bunch of signing. No, you're right. You know, and that's just the thing. People will scan and people would much more interact with somebody. But I actually have considerable words on my display. Because I have to explain something, but I also have a lot of great visuals. And it's how I use my words. And it's no different than how we've used your words and how we pick out certain words and that are there to start a conversation. Okay, that, I think that you do that so well, Amy. Even with your name, I'm going to go back for a minute. These are really important lessons as you're listening and thinking about applying this to your own business. I mean, the obvious things like don't be a science project unless you're doing a doctoral level professional looking science project. That's not, you know, you don't want the grade school version. But Amy made the comment about people are always mispronouncing your name saying, what's this mud thing? And instead of her getting upset, like, can't you see the umlauts, you know, (laughs) instead of her getting annoyed, she has viewed it and actually played up to that misunderstanding or misconception and turned it into an advantage, a way to open a dialogue. Absolutely. That is very smart marketing. Why, thank you. (laughs) And you're not letting your ego get in the way. No, not at all. In fact, it's a great way in utilizing those words and target words to start a conversation. You know, I can build you a beautiful display, but if it doesn't, and it will attract people to you, but if you don't engage with them, there's nothing I can do for you beyond that point. So I'm going to ask you really quickly, you've done a number of talks. I've seen you talk about this. What are a couple mistakes people make? They get someone coming to the booth 
And what are a couple common mistakes you see once the traffic is starting to come? I think first and foremost, lack of engagement. And not necessarily about their business, but just learning about the person who's coming up to them, asking them key questions. You know, what are they there for? What are they there to learn or to get out of the event? Mm -hmm. What attracted them to coming up to, you know, stop and talk to you? I mean, these are, you can almost use it as a survey for yourself, but Mm -hmm. just being authentic and real and just taking the sales aspect out of it. So what came to my mind was don't like vomit a bunch of spiel all over them. (laughs) You know what I mean? When you talk to someone and you first meet them and it's like this tap and you're frantically trying to figure out how to turn it off. (laughs) You know, you're like, oh, what do you do? And it's like pretty soon it's if you ever watch, you know, Charlie Brown. (laughs) (laughs) Be very concise. Like when people ask me, what do you do? I help entrepreneurs grow their profit or achieve their profit goals. And that's it. I stop talking and I let them talk. You know, you create displays that bring people in and engage them. I mean, I see that a lot where people get, I know you're excited about your business. Not you, Amy. I'm talking to the listeners. I know you're excited. (laughs) But treat a discussion the way you want to be treated when you go talk to somebody at an event. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting, just going off of that a little bit, one of my taglines is your customers aren't flat, boring cutouts. Mm. Your sales displays shouldn't be either, and neither should be your sales pitch. If you remove that whole sales pitch, kind of throw it out the window, even that whole elevator speech thing, if you just think of it as having a conversation, you'll get so much further ahead. Mm Mm-hmm. It's no different than when I started building my prototype, my first creations. It wasn't, you know, I reside in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. So it's not like I'm in some metropolitan area. And at that time, I couldn't travel. So I had to be extremely resourceful in resourcing materials that I used and even contemplating building a prototype. Like, where do you even begin? Mm Mm-hmm. It was a huge question. It's not like I could just fly to New York, not, you know, not only just because I didn't have the funds, but I actually physically couldn't. I had other responsibilities that kept me, you know, tied to my home. So there were a lot of things. And I think it's one of those things as an entrepreneur or creator or an inventor, whatever you consider yourself, you have to be willing to push yourself outside that comfort zone. And you know what? I just built a product that makes you push yourself outside that comfort zone. (laughs) You know, it's one of those things because people are going to notice you. Right. Why are you even at a show if you're, or putting yourself out there if you're not wanting to get noticed? Right. And I'm actually more of an introvert than I am an extrovert. So it's kind of one of those things But when you're comfortable with who you are and what you do and what you stand for and you have that passion, then people find that very, almost like a magnet. Maybe that's why Mm -hmm. it's magnets so much. Ooh, that's interesting. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I'm getting a theme on this introvert thing because I've had a, you know, almost all my guests to date have made a comment that they're an introvert. I'm not quite sure what to make of that yet. (laughs) And they're not all obvious introverts. Like, I know you've told me that before, Amy, that you are an introvert. 
it's still hard for me to wrap my head around because you're so dynamic and interesting and engaging in person, even in groups, not just one-on-one in groups, which introverts can sometimes struggle with. I want to take what you said and take it unrelated to for the listeners who've ever done cosplay. And if you don't know what that means, cosplay is costuming. When you see like at Comic-Con, everyone's heard of Comic-Con out in San Diego. Comic-Con is this huge event where you get all these, it used to be geared towards comics, but now it's really all sorts of movies that even might have some kind of tenuous thread to comics, science fiction, fantasy, that world. And people will often dress up as a character that's called cosplay, C-O-S-P-L-A-Y. Now, there are two types of cosplayers. One is they buy it off the shelf. And then the second, there's a whole world where you make your own. And making your own can become very challenging because you're trying to create something that it's not like it's a standard. And I'm thinking about this, Amy, because you're talking about, well, you just had to figure it out. So to my listeners, I would say, if you've ever done cosplay or tried to figure it out, those same skills translate directly into figuring out something for your business. It's the same skills. You're just using them in a different way. You're not saying it can't be done. You're saying, well, I'm sure there must be a way. And here's a great one. Amy is a welder. She knows how to weld. I just love this about you, Amy. (laughs) So tell us, how did you learn how to weld and how does that play into your business? Well, you know, interestingly enough, my dad was the first person to teach me how to weld. Way back on our little dairy farm in little Durand, Wisconsin, Yeah, you know, welding and farming actually go hand in hand, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) My dad taught me how to weld. I was always intrigued. I always thought it was really cool that, you know, he could, you know, fix a piece of equipment with like a welding stick. And I'm like, how is that even possible? And Mm -hmm. I want to wear that cool mask. And (laughs) so how how does this all work? I want to try. And I was very much in my dad's back pocket a lot of times, especially being outside and running around and fixing things and reworking things to make them work better. So I guess that whole inventiveness is in recreating is definitely in my genes, so to speak. And how does it um, play into mood modular? Well, ironically, as an industrial design degree, I had to take welding as a course to get my degree, which was fun. Industrial design is actually a very male-oriented career path. So I was one of like four women out of a you know class of about 30. Funny, I was the one who made the straightest weld the first time. <laughs> And was the first one to step up and say, I'll give it a try. And I had the knowledge of at least the basics of what welding was. You know, a lot of my product, you know, there is a welding aspect to some of my stuff. I have some T-rods that are used, as you know, for the very top to add some pretty dynamic toppers Mm -hmm. that take your display above eight feet and all those lovely things. And when I was starting to build my product, I needed to find somebody who could weld me that particular piece. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning of 2009, it was an interesting time for a lot of businesses. So I literally walked into a welding shop and said, hey, can I use your equipment and show you exactly what I want? It's actually a pretty simple weld. And 
but I need about, you know, 250 of these. And are you willing to work with me on doing this? And of course, he took one look at me and said, no, you're not touching any of my equipment. (laughs) I'm like, no, seriously, I do know how to weld. And he's like, how about you draw out what you want? (laughs) And, you know, it it was kind of a partnership that just kind of happened. And... I literally sketched it out and I explained to him that I needed a spot well, you know, and he was obviously picking up that I knew what I was talking about and wasn't just some, you know, skirt wearing four year old inch high wearing, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) girl walking in. I actually did kind of have an idea of what I was talking about and exactly what I wanted. So Mm -hmm. that definitely helped. And it plays a hu- an integral part into mood and how it gets built. And I love that story. I know you've told me also that back then welders didn't, maybe they still don't have websites. So Yeah, actually, yeah you're right. Yeah, he still doesn't have a website. <laughs> One of the few professions that can survive without a website. <laughs> yeah, pretty amazing. So, yeah, you know, it was one of those. He showed, I Googled local like welders or something and you know he did come up on you know some google search but there was nothing but a phone number and an address (laughs) not that we're encouraging people to not have a website i encourage you to have a website and he was also somebody who has a very small shop doesn't necessarily does a lot of custom work Mm. Mm -hmm. yep so i have to this ties in with cosplay a bit you are a big fan of the show Face Off. Oh, I love Face Off. Okay, tell everyone what that is for people who've never watched it. It's on, I think it's on the Sci-Fi Channel. It it's on the Sci-Fi Channel, yep. And it is people who do sci-fi makeup and masks and things like this and armor and full body I don't need, I'm doing a horrible job of explaining it. But it's <laughs> well, it's like, it's, yeah, it's like turning, if you, you want to make someone look like a Klingon or a Ferengi yeah. or, you know, if you have to do up Chewbacca or whatever, I mean, you know, how do you get them in full costume? It's basically that, but with a bunch of characters no one's ever seen before, right? And they're being judged and they're given this challenge of, you know, you're supposed to make this creature for this movie or whatever and they're judged on many different things they're obviously their creativity and quality and also how it's going to look from a distance huh, imagine that like 30 feet <laughs> maybe thir- say 30 feet or so <laughs> you know and how light attracts and detracts and the makeup look flat or does it you know is it giving nice dimension you know it's you know what? it's no different than i explain your display should be think of it as a really good sculpture a fantastic mm. sculpture is interesting from all angles, and so is the, you know, the makeup and the armor and things like that they build on face-off. It's just Ooh, it's because oftentimes they're being viewed in that 360. I love that. That's a great way to look at it. And you were saying about the distance. I know I've gone to cosplay training sessions, like at cons, and... That was something one person in particular said is it only has to look good from like eight feet away or further. He's like, it's not the one foot away. And Amy's looks great from even one foot away. Don't get me wrong. But his point was similar to what you're saying is it's from a distance that it draws people in and has to look good, you know, like for TV. And we can get so caught up in the minutiae of being an inch away, but no one looks at that from an inch away. And that's a great parallel for our business. 
Yeah. Step back and look at the big picture. Look at it from a distance because you're the only one that cares about what it looks like from an inch away. Yeah. In fact, I often tell people, whether it's, you know, clients that I work with or just anybody, and I love to share this with your audience, is the fact that every time you set up, and I don't care if it's just for a small presentation or it's a big trade show or it's Comcom, whatever it is, I ask people to take a picture of their display after they have set up from every possible angle. Mm. And I want them to start at the furthest distance where they first start to see their display when they walk in wherever it is. Mm -hmm. And then take it at the halfway point and then take it at standing in front of it. We have the ability with technology today because we all have, or the majority of us have smartphones, so we can actually see those pictures immediately. Right. Once you take that picture and you look at it, that's what people are seeing, not what you're seeing. Ooh, that is fantastic advice, Amy. We're going to wrap up now. So any last comments or why don't you share, like, where can people find you? Oh, visit me at MUD Modular. M-O-D-U-L-A-R.com is my website. And on there, you can actually, if you go to the very top, it can register to get 10 free steps to how to make your sales display stand out. It's a little free download PDF thing for you. And it's a great way of keeping in touch with me or a lot of the social media channels out there. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Whatever you're fancy. Right. So go to Mood Modular, M-U-D-M-O-D-U-L-A-R.com. We will also put this in the show notes. Get her free tips download. I'm telling you, Amy knows what she's talking about. I use her stuff and it works. This will also all be in the show notes, Amy. And it's, again, Amy Loken, Mood Modular. Amy, thank you so much for joining us today. Fantastic stuff. Fantastic. Thanks. It was fun. So I want to remind all of our listeners, you can keep the adventure going. Visit scififiz.com today. Download your free chapter of the Prosperity Dimension and also learn about upcoming guests and other behind-the-scenes details. That's scififiz.com. I'm Nicole Fendi, and this is the Prosperity Dimension, where sci-fi, small business, and profit collide.